Thank you, Devin. Well, uh, now you can all let Mike know that I almost let you out of here without giving your offerings, and that would have been like, you know, really exciting for you, right? Um, good for the good for the intern, right? <laughs> um, well, again, I have the pleasure of introducing Dr. Uh, Richard Freeman, and his wife Laura is here with him today, and um, he ministers to. Uh, young pastors in, over in Turkey, and they help establish and uh, plant churches over there and assist them in, in all of that. And they are missionaries of Grace Hills. So would you warmly welcome uh, Dr. Richard Freeman here today. very much here. I think that's pretty good about there. Um, you know, we tried the wireless system <clears throat> this morning that Pastor Mike works, but my head was too big for the wireless system. Now, I don't know what that says. You can draw your own conclusion from that. I know how I'm going to shape it and spin it when I see Pastor Mike next time that, uh, you know, a little more cranial capacity perhaps, but uh, we won't go into that this morning here. It is so good to be with you, and my wife and I do thank you for your faithful support over so many years in our work in the country of Turkey as we come alongside younger pastors to help see that they have what they need financially with encouragement, spiritual direction to go out onto a new field somewhere in Turkey to plant a new church. Over the years, God has been so good in a number of new churches being planted. And as a part of that, I'm very excited that in the month of September, my wife and I will be there, and we're looking to meet with five, maybe six new pastors and new churches that are coming. So thank you so much for your support, and God is doing great things over there. In fact, just... In April of this year, one of our pastors, one of the pastors we support, was with us here in Southern California, stayed with us a while. I was with him as we arranged some times for him to go and share what's going on. And I noticed in almost every situation where Pastor Demacon spoke, he used two words, two words that kind of struck me. You know, I think of these words in terms of us here in America, and you hear them often, but to think in Turkey and other parts of the world, our brothers and sisters think in these same terms, and the two words he used were salt and light. He kept saying that as Christians, we need to be salt and light, and isn't that wonderful? We use the same Bible, obviously, that shouldn't shock me if... Our brothers and sisters in other parts of the country use some of the same metaphors to our calling as we use. But it struck me and it, it encouraged me to, to think a little bit about Jesus' words to that effect. Jesus' words to the effect that we are called, and I think my mic is slowly going down here a little bit. Let's see if we can do that. There we go. That Jesus' words calling us 
to be salt and light to this world. And so this morning we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, to see Jesus' words to us on this very, very important topic. And as we prepare our hearts to hear what Jesus has to say to us, let's take just a moment of quiet in each of our hearts personally to say, Lord, speak to me. Help me understand. Let's pause for a moment. Gracious and loving Father, we do thank you so much for these beautiful moments to sing your praises, to reflect in prayer, to be reminded of wonderful ministry opportunities, and to engage with your very words to us. Lord, open our hearts, help us to hear, and help us to respond, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things that Sometimes people will ask me, given our work in the country of Turkey is, what is it that God is using to touch the hearts of those in the Islamic world and to draw them to faith in Jesus Christ? Is it the internet and opportunities there? Is it satellite, which is coming into Turkey and other places where Christian, the Christian message can be heard in televisions at home? Is it maybe just really dynamic communication of the gospel that's going on? Is it uh, somebody on the street corner preaching? Well, probably not that one because you'd get arrested right away. But <clears throat> what is it that God is using? And in a number of surveys that have been done interviews that have been done with those who were born into an Islamic home, grew up in the Islamic faith, and chose to follow Jesus Christ, 80% of those being asked that question say almost the exact same thing. <clears throat> what they say is that I saw Christians who really loved me. I visited a church, or I was with some Christian friends, and their kindness, their love, their care was so compelling that I said, I want to know more about this thing, Christianity. And ultimately, they were drawn to faith in Jesus Christ. I don't think that is something that is true in the Islamic world alone, the communist world, wherever it may be. I think that's a universal truth, that people are looking for love. They're looking for something that, that touches their heart and, and touches their head, but touches their heart. And they go, this is amazing. The kindness, the compassion that I find here has drawn me. And I really believe that that is what Jesus is trying to communicate with us here today in this passage that we look at. In fact, I want to share with you a poem that I heard 40 years ago and I always think of it when I think of this particular area of the Christian faith. Now, even if you get nothing else out of this message, which is highly likely, that could happen, I think this poem will express to you what it is that I'm trying to say. And it says this, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one would walk with me than merely tell the way. 
the eyes a better pupil and more willing than the ear, fine counsel is confusing, but example is always clear. The best of all the preachers are the men who live their creeds, for to see the good in action is what everybody needs. I soon can learn to do it if you'll let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. The lectures you deliver may be wise and true, but I'd rather get my lessons by observing what you do. For I might misunderstand you and the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. And certainly as Christians, that is so very, very true of each of us. As we come to Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, as we are in the Sermon on the Mount, we just come out of, in the first 12 verses, the Beatitudes, where Jesus talks about what we're to be like on the inside, what our character is to be, what he's working inside of us. And then in verses 13 and following, he talks about how it should reflect in us, how our new character, our new life in Christ ought to be seen by the world. And it's here that we, I want us to look at three things. First of all, what it means to be salt, what it means to be light, and then finally, how that works together and results in a transformed world. Let's look at these together, these three simple points. First of all, we look at the area of being salt. And let me read together with us this morning, verse 13. You, Jesus says, are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how will it be made salty again? It is good for nothing anymore except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You don't hear this phrase so much anymore, but it used to be in years past you'd hear somebody referred to as that person is the salt of the earth. They really are the salt of the earth. And usually I think they meant that they are someone who has made an impact, whose life has impacted others, who has helped others, who has made a difference in this world. And certainly Jesus says that is a phrase that should be true of us. Now there are many valuable ways that salt is used. I just want to talk about two of them this morning. One of them has to do with salt's benefit in purifying things. Salt's benefit in cleansing things and bringing healing to things. We have so many different medicinal products these days, but certainly years ago, salt was a main thing that you, were, that you would use. If you had a sore in your mouth, you would use salt. Sometimes you would apply salt as painful as it was on an external wound. Salt was used to preserve food, to keep it from, from spoiling. It purified, it cleansed, it brought healing. And certainly, that is what we are called to do in this world. I like the words of William Barclay, who often draws insights from the Greek language on this particular verse. He says, the individual Christian must be the conscience of his fellows and the church the conscience of the nation. The Christian must be such a person that no doubtful language 
is ever used. No questionable stories ever told. No dishonorable actions suggested. They must be like a cleansing antiseptic in the circle of friends in which they find themselves. That as Christians, we are to bring healing to people. We're not to do things that, that help the slide of our culture, that help the downfall of our culture and, and the crassness that sometimes we run into in our culture. As Christians, we intentionally want to make a difference in this world and in the lives of those around us. The Apostle Paul, as he wrote to the Ephesians, had these words, and I think they are just as powerful and as true for us today. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29, he said this, Let no <clears throat> unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear one of the ways that we bring healing and cleansing and purifying to those around us is by choosing words that, that build people up, choosing words that bring grace to them and lift them up, not that, that add coarseness to the conversation, not that, that denigrate the conversation. We want to, as we wake up each day, say, Lord, help me today to bring a positive word to somebody, a word that will lift their spirit in your name and make a wonderful difference to those around them. Maybe a word that could bring healing to someone and, and cause them to, to think about you as the great healer in their lives. Maybe it's an offer to pray for someone. Whatever it is, to think, God, use me today to bring healing to someone. Now, you know, in this world, when you try to be positive in Christ's name and try to bring a, a word of grace to someone. Some people take offense at that. What are you, some holy Joe? Are you self-righteous? We don't do it in a self-righteous way. Of course not. Some people may not respond to it, but many will. Many are looking for hope and healing in their lives. And someone that will take a moment to share with them along those lines is so powerful. I think the second value of salt, which my doctor won't let me uh, take advantage of, is that it adds flavor to life. It adds flavor to food, even though I'm supposed to stay away from it. And certainly that is true with us as Christians. We should, we should bring out the best in those around us. We should, should add wonderful joy and flavor to life. Again, uh, William Barclay says this, food without salt can be revoltingly insipid. The Christian, then, must be the one who brings flavor to life. The Christian who lives a life of gloom and is a wet blanket, that's not Christianity. The Christian who, by his courage, his hope, his cheerfulness, his kindness, that is the one that brings new flavor to life. And as a Christian, again, that is something that we want to do. Every day as we get up, Lord, how can I add hope? flavor, joy, in some way enhance the life of those around me by the things that I say or how I act or how I maybe take a moment to listen to someone or, or to show them kindness in some way. Again, the Apostle Paul, as he wrote to the Colossians, had these words to say in Colossians 4, verse 6. 
let your speech always be with grace, seasoned as it were with salt, so that you may know how you should respond to each person. That is, I believe, what Jesus is trying to say to us in our passage this morning. Think about our words. Let them be seasoned with salt. Let them bring joy to people around us. Oliver Wendell Holmes, who was a physician in our country in the the middle to the late 1800s, who served in the Civil War, who had a son that was on the Supreme Court. He would say in some of his writings, said, I would go to church, except when I go to church, all of the people there seem like undertakers. They seem like funeral directors. I hope I'm not offending any funeral directors out there today. And of course, uh, he had never visited Grace Hills Church, or he would know better than that. But that was his view, and that is the view of so many people today. In fact, once in his, in his diary, he wrote, I went to church today, and amazingly, I didn't come home depressed. You know, the world should see a different side of Christians than that. They should see a side in which, again, we're not putting on a show. I'm not talking about putting on a show. I'm talking about being real real to what Christ has done in our lives and the change that he has made in our lives, but to speak of hope, to speak of joy, to speak appropriately and not self-righteously of the differences Christ has made in our lives. And he has made so many. One of the things I often tell people is that prior to becoming a Christian, I was very much an introvert. I still am to some degree, but the Lord brought so many wonderful new friends in my life that I found such great strength and joy. And and I'm not saying it self-righteously. I'm just saying it in a way that is factual and true. And all of us have wonderful things that we can share about Christ's transforming power in our lives. And people are looking for that. Mahatma Gandhi, at a time in his life when he was studying in Great Britain, began to think, hearing from Christians and seeing what Christians taught, that maybe Christianity was the answer for India. That maybe Christianity could break through the caste system there and bring equality and and, and bring a oneness and, and and a respect for all people. And so as Mahatma Gandhi began to attend a church in Great Britain, hoping that this is the answer he was looking for, He stepped in and people looked at him skeptically and said, "Mm, you need to sit in the back. You're not really the kind of people we're looking for in this church. And after that, again, he wrote in his diary, I guess Christianity isn't the answer that I'm looking for. People really learn about Christianity by what they see done in us. People often say, show me, before they say, tell me. And part of that is taking seriously our call to be the salt. Because as we're reminded here, he says, if we don't take seriously the fact that we're the salt of the earth, if we take it for granted and don't seek to exercise our saltiness in the world, he says that after a while, it becomes worthless. If it isn't used, it's, it's just, and Jesus says, like it's being trampled in the ground and has no benefit and value to anyone. We need to take it seriously. Secondly, we need to realize that we are called to be the light of the world. 
Notice again what Jesus has to say in verses 14 and 15. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under a peck measure or kind of a measuring basket. Put it under a measuring basket. But they put it on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. You know, being the light is an amazing calling. Now, notice he doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say, you are a light. Each of you, Jesus made it very clear. He says, I am the light of the world. But he doesn't say, and you're a little light. No, he says, you are the light also. At the church we attend in San Pedro, it overlooks the harbor, the Los Angeles harbor. Sometimes when I'm there late in the evening, you see the sun going down, and then you see the moon going up and this beautiful glow on the moon over the water. And you realize it isn't the moon that has its own internal light. The moon is reflecting the light of the sun. And in the same way, we are the light of the world because it is the light of Jesus Christ that is to be reflected through us for the world to see this, for us to make a difference in the world. You know, that light is, is something that people are looking for. You ever come home late at night and you can't find the light switch? You walk in the house and you trip over a few things and finally you turn the light on and you go, oh, if the light had only been on, I wouldn't have seen that in my way and I wouldn't have tripped over. Having light just makes everything different. We see the obstacles more clearly. We see the right path more clearly. And so many people are tripping over their lives they're looking for the light that can be a light unto their path, a lamp unto their feet. And that is why we are called to be that light. Again, not self-righteously, not to put on a show, not to say, look at me. But every day to say, Lord, how can I shine your light today? Maybe it's an act of kindness. Maybe there's somebody you're going to bring into my life today where I just need to, to be there and listen to them or, or to point out the, the direction that I found in my life through Jesus Christ. Whatever it is, it is so powerful and people are looking for direction in their life. And notice what it says here, that you can't hide this. You can't hide what, what is there. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do you light a lamp and then cover it. Our lives are to be out there and shown. I think one of the early commitments that every Christian needs to make, am I going to be a secret service Christian, or am I going to be willing to let others know that I'm a Christian? Again, not in a show-off way, but just to be honest, this is what animates me. This is, this is who I am. This is what my life is about. This is what I found in life. These are the answers that make all the difference in my life. Some people may not receive that well, but others are literally spiritually dying for someone to share with them the answers that they have found in their lives. Jesus said in John chapter 3, when he spoke about uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, he said, there are some who like to live in the darkness. In fact, they hate the light. So there are some who aren't going to necessarily <laughs> listen in great detail what we say, and we need to be sensitive to that and not pour it on if somebody is offended or doesn't want to hear it. But there are so many who do want to hear the message, 
and do want to respond and to be part of that. And it may be in different ways. About 100 years ago, a Christian who was working in a construction site at lunchtime liked to go off by himself, not putting on a show, went off into a quiet corner somewhere to read his Bible. It was his lunch break, eat a sandwich, like to read his Bible. And other co-workers noticed him over there and they'd laugh at him and mock him and make fun of him. And so what he decided to do was this. At the end of the workday, when everybody went home, left their work boots behind, he cleaned all of their work boots every night. Never said a word about it, never told anybody he did it. He just did it quietly. In time, they began to realize who was doing this. And it was interesting. The same people that were mocking him and laughing at him and making fun of him began to ask him, tell us a little bit about that Bible. What is it that it's done for you? What do you learn from it? Sometimes even those who aren't interested, who make fun of you even, just through your kindness, your willingness not to react back in anger, but to show love. It opens hearts where they begin to say, tell me a little bit more about what you believe and what this Jesus means to you. We are to be the salt. We are to be the light. And as a result of that, Jesus says, there is a transformation, there is a result that takes place. And we see that in verse 16. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's ultimately what Jesus wants to see happen. That through our kindness, through our compassion, through our willing to listen to others, through our willing to take a minute and say, what's going on? It seems like you're carrying a heavy burden right now. And listening and say, I will pray about that. And checking back with them to say, I'm still praying. How are you doing? Or, or maybe they just need some tangible help or whatever it is to shine that light, to do what we can do, to be to have it on our radar screen even, to be watching for people God brings into our lives that we can respond to that way. And ultimately what he says, as we do that, as they see our good works, not showing off, genuinely doing it, the goal is that they may glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now we talk about glorifying in our Christian circle. A lot of people outside of, of our Christian family do not understand or use that word to glorify. I like it, or I liken it to when I was growing up, and sometimes we would use the word glory hog. Somebody in sports was a glory hog. They always wanted the ball. They always wanted the attention. And now that Kobe is retired, I don't have him to talk about as an example of that anymore. But the, the, the point is, God is the one who ultimately wants people's attention. He is the ultimate glory. When we talk about glorifying God, we're talking about giving God our attention and our focus and our lives. And Jesus says in verse 16, that's what we want of those that we live with and interact with every day. We want to point them in a loving, genuine way to the God who made them in such a way that their attention will be focused on him as well that they will realize the hope that they can find in Jesus Christ. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who wrote such incredible novels about life under communism in Russia, 
who escaped, came to the States, spoke so poignantly of this. One of his books shares about how he became a Christian. He was in a gulag in a terrible Russian prison. He was dying. He was somehow taken to the small little medical facility there, and a Russian doctor with a Jewish background began to help him. And this doctor realized that Alexander, he needed more than just physical help. He needed hope. He was dying for lack of hope. And this doctor, at great risk to himself, shared with Alexander how just recently he had moved from his Jewish faith and had become a Christian. And in Christ, the answers to his questions he said, we're found. Life was beginning to make sense for him now. He could put the pieces together. And he shared this with Alexander, who in his weakened state was just shocked because he knew to, to share these kinds of things in a gulag could mean your death. But he shared and went on for hours, took hours with Alexander. Finally, Alexander went to sleep, woke up the next morning thinking about what he had heard and, and processing it and thinking, wow, that's what I need when the news came to him that that doctor had been killed with a knife in the early morning hours of that next day because he had taken the time and somehow had been overheard sharing his faith. Thankfully, today, we don't live in a place, as in some parts of the communist world, as in some parts of the, the uh, Middle Eastern world, where that could take place. But we do live in a place where people need more than just physical help. They need hope. They need somebody that will share with them what has changed their life. And I truly believe that what Jesus tells us here, by being the salt and the light, is what can transform our world. Will you pray with me for a moment? Gracious and Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for these moments together as we think of your word and reflect on this powerful message Lord, wherever we find ourselves in the midst of our stresses and pressures and challenges and difficulties and busy schedule, Lord, would you open our eyes afresh and anew to those around us? Maybe it's family members, maybe it's neighbors, maybe it's co-workers, maybe it's friends, where, Lord, we just need to be alert and aware where we can be the salt and light of this world, where others in a loving, patient compassionate way can be pointed to you and to the true answers of life. And for all of this, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.